Thanks for joining us this week, and welcome to Mutuality Matters, a weekly podcast hosted by CBE International, where our mission is to promote the biblical message that God calls women and men of all cultures, races, and classes to share authority equally in service and leadership in the home, church, and world. Let's get into this week's episode. Welcome to the Mutuality Matters podcast from Christians for Biblical Equality. Alongside my friend and ministry colleague, Rob Dixon, I'm Lila Van Gerpen. Can women and men work alongside one another in healthy ministry partnerships? Our answer is positively. And on this podcast, we interview practitioners exploring stories about what flourishing mixed gender ministry partnerships look like in the field. Rob, today we are so excited to have our guests, Phil and Reese Skye. Phil and Reese, mm-hmm. welcome to the podcast. So Yay, glad to have you here. You. Good to be Great here with you all. Yeah, so good to be here with you too. Why don't we begin by having you tell us a little bit about yourselves, your family, and the work you do together? Yeah, so we are Phil and Reese Sky. Um, we met in high school, so we are high school sweethearts. Um, when we first met, I was following Christ, and Phil was not. Um, and so I led him to the Lord, and he immediately. Um, began his 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 time in ministry, and it was at that time when he was leading our youth group at our church where I began to just kind of toy around with the idea of partnering with him. Um, and so here mm-hmm. we are, uh, almost 22 years later of marriage, uh, two kiddos wow. later, uh, 17 and 15 year old um, wow. daughters, and we are yeah we're just still figuring out how to partner well with one another, how to lean on each other's strengths, how to um, encourage each other, how to cheer for each other, how to challenge each other in this work of ministry. Um, We co-pastor Honorance Covenant Church here in Fresno, California, um, a church that we planted 11, almost 12 years ago. So it has been a beautiful mess. Um, We have stumbled our way we have uh, almost tried to run away. We've tried to walk away, <laughs> uh, but we're still here. And we are really encouraged about what God is doing in our neighborhood, the Lowell neighborhood here in Fresno, but also in our our church and um, on our staff and leadership team and just the church at large. God is doing some really cool things and we get to be a part of it. And it's pretty right. cool to, to just sit back and just watch like, oh, okay, this is pretty cool, God. You can use us. <laughs> Awesome. So great. Yep. Yep. Awesome. Well, so we'll start with a kind of a fun icebreaker type question for you two. Uh, we've asked this of all of our guests, but uh, the question is this, <laughs> is there a mixed gender partnership that you appreciate or admire from literature, movies, pop culture, something like that? And why do you appreciate it? Yeah. I mean, I'll just choose like a contemporary um, uh, real life example. You know, there. The couple of uh, Kamala Harris and Doug Emhoff, I think they're kind of a cool couple. I mean, I obviously, <laughs> you know, I could share a lot of personal stories from our time with them, you know, around the dinner table. Oh, uh, um, sure. But you're close. Yeah. 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 Real close. So, but, but I think from a distance, um, I think things that everyone can appreciate um, are, you know, that, you know, Kamala's clearly, you know, at least professionally in the public figure, you know, kind of the leading in the leading role. Um, you know, Doug obviously is a professional as well, uh, an attorney, 
um, has his career and is, as far as, you know, I know is fairly accomplished there as well, but I think they share the space nicely. And I think what's a, what, what I appreciate is that depending upon the context, it sort of dictates, you know, sort of who is playing what role. So I would imagine that around some of, uh, you know, with, around his firm, that he kind of plays, you know, more of the leading role because it's sort of his context. But in other public spaces, you know, she's clearly in the leading role. And and I imagine that that he just supports her. And so I, I love the mutuality of that relationship. And again, so many fun personal stories from, you know, late <laughs> at night, but I'll reserve for another time. But um, yes. that, yeah, those are, that, that it's a couple that I, that I, I uh, that I appreciate. It's great. For the Make record, sure you say for the record, yeah. we don't know them. Okay. We do yes. not know them. Not everybody yes. will understand my husband's humor. We do not know these people <laughs> yet. Well, no. we, we know yeah. them. Right. They just don't know us. That's, That's right. Yes. Yes. Reese, do you have one? Yeah. You know what? Uh, uh, ironically enough, I would point to another interracial couple, um, Harry and Megan. Okay. Uh, that, that, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, listen, that show um, that I was able to watch on Netflix, I was just like, I found myself crying oh, the entire time because as a Black woman um, in the spotlight who is now connected to a white man in the spotlight, and he, Harry, was able to see the, the just see the, the harshness that came towards her and to, to experience um, just really the, the, just unkind people um, and the way that they interacted with her. And he had the opportunity to stand up and to protect his wife, even if that meant walking away from everything that he knew, the right. institution, his family, right? And so for me, um, she is an example of a strong woman and he is an example of a courageous man who who did what he needed to do to pull his 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 family away from what, he considered a very toxic environment. And so, um, so we don't know them <laughs> yet. Um, but, yes. but I do, I do look to them as, as sort of like a, a you know, a, a mixed gendered partnership yeah. that also represents the interracial um, dynamics that Phil and I also possess. Um, and it just, yeah, it's just a beautiful, beautiful couple, cute kids, <laughs> um, you know, passionate about the same things. Um, and just have a lot in common. And so, yeah, I just really appreciate them. So that's so great. you can tell them I said that. Yeah, it sounds like the makings of a really cool dinner party. You two, <laughs> yes. Megan and Harry, Kamala and Doug. That's right. Can we make so- this happen? <laughs> <laughs> and we've asked this question to, you know, everyone that we've interviewed and y'all are the first to answer the et cetera. You know, we say literature, movies, et cetera. So I love your examples. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's great. For sure. Let's start by having you talk a little more in detail about what you do, where you serve, and really what your ministry partnership looks like for you both as individuals, for you both as individuals and as a married couple. Yeah, you know, as Reese talked about it earlier, and I just was thinking a bit about it. And, um, you know, one of the things that's been interesting about our partnership, I think, at least from my perspective, has been um, the evolution of our roles over time. Mm. So it's it's not as though you know when we first started pastoring on ramps um, that you know we we play the role uh, play the same role today that we did almost twelve years ago. Um, it's evolved. We've told this story on a number of occasions where 
the truth is, um, while we always were planting on ramps together from the beginning, um, you know, there there were some interesting um, gender dynamics at play and, and role assumptions mm. um, by our denomination that were not intended to be harmful uh, in any way. But the truth of the matter is that that as it relates to gender dynamics, but also in terms of just how church planting models have evolved, um, mm. there was always this idea that there was one church planter. And one of the things that's evolved over the last you know decade that we've observed as in our denomination, uh, the 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 model of of co-pastoring mm-hmm. um, has has also emerged, um, and in our in our context, what that would meant is that you know husband and wife were kind of co-planting and are co-pastoring this church. But again, when we planted twelve years ago, that was really not um, that wasn't really a a category uh, for what we were doing. So. While we were co-planting, um, you know, I was signing all of the planting documents, mm-hmm. um, just my name. Wow. And and so, you know, I, I think I just think it's it's interesting um, that, that that was how we started. Um, fast forward, we really launched over time into a very clear co-pastorate um, role. And then. More recently, in the last couple of years, while we are still co-pastoring, um, it is Reese who is leading the church on a day-to-day basis far more than I am. I am playing more of a support role. So again, it's you know to begin when we started on ramps, you know I was a little bit more kind of the lead uh, role in the church in some respects. Over time, I would say that we sort of really shared that responsibility, and now Reese really is leading more than I am. So it's been a fascinating journey, and and um, one that that wouldn't have worked um, if we had not always been sort of open to embracing, um, you know, just uh, ever changing roles within the context of our leadership yeah. and marriage. Yeah, and and part part of the the reason why I am more present today than Phil is is because he literally has a whole nother job. You know, like he's literally working 40 plus hours a week for the city of Fresno doing amazing work in the community that our church has blessed him to do. And so while while he's out in the field, I am, I'm holding it down here, you know, and we, we joyfully have settled into these roles and we joyfully serve in these roles. And yeah, there are times when I say, Hey, Phil, I actually need you at this meeting, or I actually need you on this zoom call, or I actually need you to preach tonight because I ain't doing it, you know? (laughs) Um, And, and he, you know, he, he makes, he makes space for that. He makes it happen. He makes it work. Um, But yeah, it, it, Part of our reality is that again, he has um he has a full-time job yeah. as, as well. Whereas for me, it's it's on ramps through and through. Yeah. So yeah. So there's a lot of flexibility there, I'm hearing you say. And and actually I get the feeling that if your context changed again, right, you would be open to that, right? That right. you'd be open to switching roles again if Absolutely. that seemed like a good thing Absolutely. down the road. Yeah. Absolutely. And and that really that really marks our marriage. Our entire marriage has been ebbs and flows. Yeah where I'm in school full-time and he's working full-time and then he's in school full-time and I'm working full-time. And then, you know, I'm at home with the girls and he, you know, it just, it's just been that way. It's been a beautiful 
um, just the beautiful ebb and flow over the last 22 years. Yeah. Our belief is that uh, had we held on to particular um, gender roles too rigidly, mm-hmm. um, that it would not have allowed um, for the work of the spirit of, of God in our lives, in our marriage, mm-hmm. because really, you know, as he has called us in the different seasons, if we had held too rigidly to those roles, mm-hmm. too tightly to those roles, we would have been really resisting in many respects, you know, what God ultimately we felt like was doing in our lives, in our church, right, um, and in our marriage. Right. And what an example for our daughters, um, again, 17 and 15, who, you know, at no point in their lives have they ever thought, oh, I can't do that because I'm a woman. Yeah. Yeah. I can't do that because I'm a girl. Like they know that they have full yeah. access to every part of the church, period, because of the example that mom and dad have set and, and live into every day. Yeah. So. Amazing. Um, so you mentioned this belief that you've you've developed and now you're sharing with your, your daughters and you're with your church. Talk about the history of getting to that. I mean, mm-hmm. you're here on an egalitarian podcast. So <laughs> what what were some of the kind of key markers in your journey to toward developing this conviction that you're now living out? You know, uh, Reese um, will share her story uh, as it relates to, to this. And, and I'll just simply say that, you know, as I have watched Reese grow over the years and step fully into um, who God's called her to be, you know, my, my personal conviction is that it would have been very difficult uh, and quite painful to watch Reese um, continue to feel as though she had sort of limits mm-hmm. to the spaces and places in which um, in which she could serve and minister. So mm-hmm. did you want to share a little bit about your story? Yeah. Um, so I grew up in an amazing church. Um, it was a great church. It was our family church. Um, loved singing in the choir, loved the preaching that was going forth um, from the pulpit, loved everything about my childhood church. And yet there was, there was a message that was spoken just about every, every meeting, every worship gathering, that there were limits on what women could do. The, The leadership at the time, from their experience and their interpretation of the Bible, that's what they believed. And I do not fault them at all for what they believed at the time. Um, but there was the message that women are really good with children's ministry and they're really good in the kitchen. And that was just it. And so um, as, as I began to grow and I started leading the choir at the age of 16, I'm leading a full wow. gospel <laughs> choir at my, at my church at the age of 16. Um, and that, wow. you know, took on some leadership roles. And I'm like, huh, this ain't children's ministry and it ain't the kitchen. So what do I do with that? You know? Um, and then at the age of like 18 or 19, uh, kind of co-leading the youth ministry with, with Phil. Um, again, wasn't children's ministry and it wasn't the kitchen. So what do I do with that? Yeah. And then I finally, um, I started working at Fresno Pacific University as the director of student ministries. And my mentor and boss at the time that our campus pastor, Rod Reed, he would just have conversations with me about like, Hey, so, you know, there's more that you can do. Right. And that, and I would just kind of respond with, yeah, but you know, I would disappoint a whole lot of people at my childhood church. If I said yes to anything that God is calling me to beyond what I'm doing right now. And so there was always this tug of war in my heart, um, around 
what my leaders taught me when I was growing up and what I felt like God was calling me into, even though those two didn't line up. Right. And so I would always have conversations with Rod Reed. Um, At the time we were attending a different church and the pastor there, very open to women in ministry, very affirming of women in ministry, very supportive. And um, I just remember something changing in my heart. And I remember my own heart being more open to the call of God. And it was um, one one day I was driving to Fresno Pacific and I was on the freeway and um, and I just heard God ask me the question, Reese, why would I trust women to carry the word? And he sort of like pointed to my stomach, you know, to carry the word and then no longer carry the word. And it was sort of like hands being opened up like the Bible. And I was just like, that was a strange question, God. I'm just trying to get to work. Let me get to work, you know? (laughs) So the next day, oh my goodness, the next day at the same point on the freeway, heading to work, God asked the question again, Reese, why would I trust a woman to carry the word and then no longer trust her to carry the word? And I kid you not, I almost crashed my car. I was like, oh my goodness, I'm going to get in trouble. I'm going to get in trouble because God, I know that you are calling me and you have been calling me my entire life. I'm going to get in trouble with some with some folks though. And he was just like, let me handle that. Went straight to work. Rod, Reed, I got to talk to you. I got to tell you what just happened on the freeway. God told me, you know, I told him the story. And he said to me, it's about time you heard him for yourself. Rod said wow. to me, I, I've always known it, Reese, but I needed you to know it for yourself. Got on the phone with my husband, Phil, you'll never guess what just happened. My husband's response, Reese, it's about time. I <laughs> knew it all along, but I needed God to tell you. Mm-hmm. I needed you to hear it for yourself. Told my pastor at the time, Reverend Paul Binion of the West Side Church of God. I sat down with him in a meeting and I said, Pastor Binion, I've got to tell you what just happened on my way to work two days in a row. And after I told him, I kid you not, he said, it's about time. I was waiting for God to tell you yourself because I couldn't be the one to tell you. So there were three important men in my life who stood back and waited for God to tell me himself what he was calling me into. And all they did was reaffirm what God had already affirmed in my life. And so here we are today because of what happened on the freeway those two days in a <laughs> row, right? And the three men who were able to say, yes, it's about time. Yeah. Yes, wow. it's about time. Yes, it's about time. I'm so glad God told you himself, right? Wow. And so so, so here I am today. And the, 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 the woman that I am today is very different than the woman that I was five years ago, yeah. 10 years ago, 15 years ago. Every day there's a struggle of, Am I good enough? Is my voice um, important enough? Will my skin color be a barrier in this Mm -hmm. setting full of of men or full of women who are of a different race? Um, Will people believe that I am called? And Mm -hmm. and, and at one point, there were people in our denomination, the Evangelical Covenant Church, who said, Reese, (laughs) you've got all of heaven backing you up and you've got our entire denomination backing you up. Now go forth and do what God has called you to do. <laughs> like enough of this back and forth. Right. Girl, get it together and be who God has <laughs> called you to do. God himself has exchanged this muzzle for a microphone. Wow. Now use it. Be a steward of what he's called you into. 
And it's so exciting to have the 100% support wow. of my husband and my family saying, Reese, girl, go yeah. do it, do it, do it. Oh my so, gosh. Yeah. It's been a journey to say the least. Yeah. <laughs> but wow. how surrounded you are with advocates and champions of your, of you, but also the gifts in you to be unleashed. Yeah. That's so beautiful. Yep. Yeah, Reese, yep, do, yep. do you drive that freeway as much as possible <laughs> yeah. so you can hear from God? Listen, you know what? Every time I kid you not, every time I get on that portion of the freeway, I think about that yeah. conversation. Yeah. I really wow. do. Yeah. It, it, okay. it is a it is a stone mm-hmm. as yeah. uh, is talked about in the Old Testament. You know, yeah. it is a stone for me. Freeway forty one is yeah. a stone for me. It's a mar- it's a place where <laughs> God marked my life. Wow! Wow! Absolutely, that's amazing. Absolutely, that's amazing. amazing. CBE International highlights women in scripture and mission. God heard both Hagar's cries and those of her son Ishmael when they were destitute in the desert. God provided for their physical needs with water and their spiritual need of hope with a promise that one day Ishmael would become a great nation. Hagar is the first person in scripture to name God, Elroy, the God who sees. Learn more at RadioWomen.org, RadioWomen.org. Well, let's talk about um, your community and even the other organizations you're connected to. So as you seek to help your church and other orgs that you're connected to embody this value for mixed gender ministry partnership, what are some of the roadblocks that you tend to run into? You know, it's really interesting um, that, you know, as Reese mentioned earlier, you know, I my full-time job is with the city of Fresno. So that's that's public service, it's government. Um, I run into like none. Um, <laughs> because I mean you think about it, like our 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 last two city managers have been women. Mm-hmm. Uh we have had um Let's see, two mayors ago, we had a, a woman uh, who was mayor for two terms. Mm-hmm. She was not the first female mayor in the city of Fresno. Um, and, you know, we have many, many, many examples of women serving as um, elected city council members, yeah. uh, department directors. I mean, the list goes on. So I, I just really don't find it in public service in the city or even in the valley. But conversely, mm-hmm. uh, in the church, mm-hmm. it is ever present. Mm-hmm. Um, and so one of the places that it is always, you know, just uh, a place that I face it or that I see it is any pastoral gathering. Mm-hmm. So whether it's, um, you know, a gathering of pastors who meet monthly for um, fellowship, whether it is a um, meeting where maybe public uh, elected officials are calling together pastors to mm-hmm. oh. discuss or dialogue important issues. Every time you step into those meetings, it is 95% male. Mm-hmm. Um, and the women that attend most commonly are not pastors because predominantly in the church, at least here in the Valley, the pastoral role is reserved for women. Mm-hmm. So if there are for women men. present or for, for, men. Men. for men, so so if there are women present, it's because they uh, receive some form of special invitation. Mm. Um, they're not pastoral leaders, but 
and and so it, it is you know it's it's patriarchy it's misogyny um and it is just absolutely brutal mm-hmm. and 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 i would just speak to that and just say you know for the times that women do show up to those gatherings those meetings those uh prayer meetings those prayer breakfasts and lunches whatever um for those of us who do show up there is resistance from my experience i have um felt um unwelcomed i have felt uh quiet hostility i have felt um being tolerated and not 100% affirmed and loved and so what happens over time is we just stop showing up yeah we stop showing up um or we create our own networks or or, or our own you know groups and um so yeah it, it that i would i would totally agree with that i i would say from my experience you know i i created um something that's called carry the word based on my testimony. And it really was a a time to gather women who were discerning their call to ministry, more specifically the preaching ministry. And it was a time to, um, to be developed in those preaching gifts and teaching gifts and um, the roadblocks that I would come across with those women who were in those cohorts throughout the country is um, their, their male pastors who would say, you cannot be involved in this, or you can be involved in this, but don't you dare think that you're going to get on, get on my platform and get on my pulpit and preach. You can hang out with the youth group from time to time and, and share, give a talk, but you're not doing this in front of the whole church. Mm -hmm. Um, And so it was, it was discouraging for the women who were genuinely seeking to understand the call of God on their lives but who didn't have a place to live it out or to practice. Right. And so it was, it was healthy for us to gather um, monthly and then quarterly to give them a platform to preach and to give them feedback and to, you know, encourage them and, 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 and even correct them. Like, actually, this is what Paul meant uh, contextually in this passage, you know? So anyway, um, but yeah, those, those were definitely some roadblocks that I personally um, encountered with um, my group, carry the word with, with the male pastors, just saying, no, you're not going to do that here. No, I'm not signing off on this recommendation or this reference for you to be a part of this. So, yeah. Yeah. Thanks for sharing those. Um, Let me, let me pivot the question. Let me pivot the the other side of the coin, I guess. So as you two carry your mixed gender partnership into the church context, other settings, how have you seen that be a blessing to Mm -hmm. your community? Mm -hmm. Can you give us a couple of examples? Yeah, I mean, look, anytime, and you all know us, I mean, anytime you are increasing the diversity of leadership, the entire community is benefiting. Mm-hmm. So so in whatever way we're expressing that diversity. And so here in our in the context of Reese's My Relationship, you have both the male and female voice, mm-hmm. uh, male and female perspective. Um, you also have uh, the perspective of a member of the black community and perspective member of the white community. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we are um, not millennials, though we look so, in- <laughs> like we, we could pass, we could pass. Almost Gen Z, really. Almost. Yeah, we yeah. could pass. Right. Too, too right. bad this isn't a video blog, because <laughs> you could totally see how young right. we look. Oh my God. Noted. Yeah. Noted. But, Noted. but you get another generational perspective as right. well. So, yeah. so I would just say that, I mean, gosh, when, when we are, leading, whether it's um, 
you know, among our elder board in a meeting or our leadership team, or whether even on a Saturday night, you know, where we're leading sort of from up front, uh, and, uh, you know, with the congregation, you know, they're constantly getting the male, female mm -hmm. voice. Um, and boy, oh boy, I mean, you, mm -hmm. you again know us, you, you know that Reese's and my gifts are different. And so I just can't imagine, I can't imagine um, this church being led by only one of us and our mm. church really predominantly only getting um, sort of the benefit of, you know, really just, um, um, how do I want to say it? it? It's, it's, it is just for me, um, the congregation would miss out on so much yeah. because mm -hmm. they would only get the benefit mm -hmm. of a limited set of gifts expressed, um, through a single voice. Yeah. 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 And, and I would add, I would add to, um, in terms of benefits, I, I, I see two, two different gifts. Um, number one, I see the gift of possibility and then I see the gift of evaluation. Mm -hmm. And so with the gift of possibility, I think about, um, the middle daughter of our next gen ministry directors, um, who are also husband and wife. We, we consider them a son and daughter in ministry. Beautiful, beautiful people, Brandon and Jessica Jackson. Their middle daughter tells them every day, I'm going to be a pastor. I'm going to be a pastor. I'm going to be a pastor. And I'm going to start crying. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Um, yeah. What a gift yeah. to little Gabby, who's in elementary school, who is already dreaming about leading yeah. God's people who's already dreaming about shepherding, yeah. who's already dreaming about possibilities. And her parents are able to say, yes, Gabby, you can yeah. be a pastor. And you don't have to wait until you're in your 30s or 40s. You can yeah. actually do it now on your campus, right. right? And so I think our partnership gives the gift of possibility yeah. to all the Gabbies in the world. Mm -hmm. Um. In terms of gift of evaluation, I remember having a conversation with, with someone many years ago, and I invited them to coffee because that's where you have good come to Jesus moments yeah. is over coffee, right? I invited them to coffee and I just said, hey, we've been in relationship for a while and I just want to share with you some things that I've observed um, when it comes to my husband sharing and your response to that, and then when it comes to me sharing and your response to that, when my husband shares ABC, you immediately agree. You immediately, amen, let's do it. We're, we're on board. But when I share ABC, you immediately question it. You immediately go, huh, let me think about it. Let me do some research and get back to you. What I want to invite you into is to a space of evaluation. Would you be willing to evaluate where that comes from? Evaluate your own judgments and your own biases and just, just ask the Lord what to do with that. And sure enough, because I invited this dear person into a space of evaluation, this person came to me a week or two later and said, you know what? You were right. And mm -hmm. I didn't even realize that I was doing that. When your husband says ABC, you're right. I automatically say, yes, amen. Let's do it, Pastor Phil. Mm -hmm. But when you said, I would always question it. And so I, I gave that person an opportunity to evaluate. And we're, I mean, 
we're, we're, we're better because of it now. And I've, I've even, I even actually, um, challenged this person to, um, to try to uncover why they have such a hard time calling me pastor Reese. Mm. Um, pastor Phil just kind of flowed off their <laughs> tongue very easily. Pastor Phil, pastor Phil, pastor Phil. But when it came to me, it was always, Hey, Hey sis. Hey yep. Reese. Right. And so I, I, so I just questioned, I just said, Hey, I know this is really difficult for people who've never been led by a woman and or who've never been led by a black person. Let's just put it out there. And so now it's Pastor Reese, Pastor Reese, Pastor Reese. But it was only because I was able to give them the gift of evaluation. And it wasn't a shame-filled right. conversation. It wasn't one filled with judgment. It was honestly, I want you to just pause and evaluate why you do what you do. Yeah. Yeah. And they were able to do that. And, 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 and it's so cute. Like even today, if we're in a, uh, in a meeting together or we're in a setting together and when they, they feel like they revert back to that old space, they'll text me right after. Hey, thumbs up or thumbs down. Was that good? Or, or, uh, or, or are we good? Or we, you know, and so it's yeah, just, a, it's yeah. a really sweet thing. Um, yeah. but yeah, yeah, our, our mixed gender partnership has been able to give the gift of evaluation. Yeah. Mm. So yeah, it's great. That's beautiful. Such helpful. Um, yeah, you're modeling such health and giving that, offering it that as a gift for their development. That's beautiful. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, let's unpack, you're already offering some great practices, but let's unpack any more that you can think of that can help maybe a married couple similar in your situation, sharing a job role. So what's that look like practically? What have you figured out? Yeah. You know, I think we're trying one of the things that comes to mind immediately, uh, Lila, is that, you know, we've already talked about some of the difficulties and challenges of, you know, co-leading, um, both, you know, for us, just, you know, relationally, but but also just for those that we uh, are leading. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. people have a difficult time responding to one or both of us. And so how do we help, you know, build a bridge um, and really help everyone embody what this looks like and and so one of the ways that we've sought to do it and i would say that it's it is evidenced you know very sort of publicly but also a little bit more privately among our staff where we typically do not produce any work product that both of us haven't touched Mm -hmm. in other words one of us may be the the Mm -hmm. the primary author right i mean they, they may have written 90, 95% of it, but it doesn't go out, right? right, Until both of us have at least touched it. Mm -hmm. And and so that's just been a way in which we're saying, look, we are leading together. Um, Clearly, there are some things that that I I just am stronger at. There are some things that Reese is just stronger at. Therefore, one of us will naturally take the lead on a particular task or objective or assignment. Mm -hmm. Um, But I'm not going to produce it for public consumption, mm-hmm. unless Reese has touched it, right. right? Reviewed it, looked over it, asked some questions, uh, even if nothing else, signed off on it and mm-hmm. said, yep, that looks good. And it ultimately comes from us. Right. Doesn't yeah. come yeah. from me, doesn't yeah. come from her. Right, right. And, and, and that, but that's the model that we try to exemplify on our team, yeah. um, our staff. They're, they're, nothing should be going out without someone else putting eyes on it. And it just helps us to be accountable. It helps us to make sure that we 
are are doing things mm-hmm. the way that we want um, to be represented. And so, so Phil and I are able to model it, but it translates into our team too. Yeah. You know, some somebody else always has eyes eyes on on that. And so I, I think of I think of um, my pastoral care and counseling professor, um, Dr. Elizabeth Pierre. Um, she once said something that just floored me, and it sticks with me to this day. She said, um, the most dangerous person in the world is the one who was not self-aware. And so Phil and I have really tried our best to remain self-aware so that we don't harm our community. And so we know what we're good at and we know the areas that we just need to stay away from. (laughs) Um, and, And so and and the moment we 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 muddle that line is when we get in trouble and when we're dangerous and it yeah. and it's really hard for our community. And so so Phil Phil is the one to you know just to give a real life example Phil is the one to make sure that all of the the details are covered. He's the one to make sure that the finished product is going to be beautiful. He is the one to make sure that those meetings are happening to make sure, you know, the, the that the finished product is going to happen. I'm the one who's like, and we're going to have a whole lot of fun while we're doing it. <laughs> we're going to we're going to share stories. We're yeah. going to laugh. Yeah. We're going to play with slime. We're going to. Right. And so but we need that. We need the finished product to be yeah. beautiful, but we need yeah. to have fun during the process, too. <laughs> um, yes. and, and we know that those are our roles. Yeah. Phil wouldn't dare try to you know, do an icebreaker or try to, you know, uh, play play a game in any of our meetings. That's not what he does. And I'm not going to try to lead us through a strategic, a five point strategic plan and how we're going to, you know, attain another building in the city. That's not, please, I would mess this church up if I try to do that. Okay. But we know our roles. We know what we're good at. We know um, what works for us. And we, and we stick to that. Yeah. We absolutely stick to that. And and we're able to show our congregation. If you expect Phil from Reese, you're going to be disappointed. Mm. And if you expect Reese from Phil, you're going to be disappointed. Mm. Know who we are and expect yeah. what you expect Reese from Reese and Phil from Phil. Yeah. So yeah. you don't be disappointed. Yeah. Okay. That's just how Great. it is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh, I so love good. how aware you are of yeah, your gifts totally. and, and how free you are to lead out of them. I mean, you just feel f- so much freedom. It's right. amazing yeah. to see. Absolutely. Um, listen, we've been talking about the ministry context. Let me just turn briefly to the parenting context, because not only are you co-pastors, you're co-parents as well. Mm-hmm. And I just wonder if you have any wisdom for listeners about what it looks like to co-parent, what things you've learned, things at work, you know, best practices, that kind of thing. Yeah, I mean, you know, we're we're parenting two teenage girls, and so you know, it it really is about survival. I mean, it's it is about it's about triage. I mean, it's it is it is we are constantly applying first aid to one another. You know, yes. um, in in the way in which in this season of life, God kind of has has called us. Um, you know, I am really out of the house a solid eight to five, seven to six, I mean, whatever it is, five days a week. Um, Reese has more flexibility because of the nature of her work mm-hmm. and ministry. Um, and there's a, a good chunk of what, you know, she's doing that really is happening after 5 p.m. 
mm-hmm. um, or on the weekends. And so, you know, she is often the one who is identifying what the needs are, you know, for our girls or is even identifying what her needs are um, as, as, a pay, as, as my co-parent. Mm-hmm. And so she'll then, you know, kind of indicate those to me and then we'll make commitments about how to share that work. So again, similar to what I described earlier, there kind of isn't anything that we're doing that both of us is not sort of informing, yeah. but because of, you know, the nature of our roles, you know, she is very commonly the one to sort of say, all right, here's here's what's needed. Mm-hmm. You know, this is where we need to be. These are the, um, you know, the things that need to be accomplished. This mm-hmm. is what our, I was having a conversation with one of the girls the other day, and this is what came up. Mm-hmm. And so we just make sure the communication stays um, really, really frequent right. um, yeah. and that we and that we express our needs to one another. Right, right. And we we rely on a group chat, our family group chat, um, Team Sky. <laughs> Go Team Sky. Um, and we we try our best to not make any decisions outside of that group chat. Um, mm-hmm. And so our girls, you know, they they know this is this is the group chat you go to yeah. in order to let us know how much something's going to cost today. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and so um, but we also rely on our really strong team here at the church mm-hmm. um, who pick up those pieces and allow us to go and be parents. Um, you know, we travel a lot for basketball and and we like hanging out with our girls and, you know, going to see movies and going out to dinner and stuff. And so we're able to do that because of our great team. But also my parents live directly across the street from us and um, and my nephew lives with them. And so um, those are two extra cars. And so yeah. when I am in a meeting and Phil is in city council meeting, we send that other group chat out and we say, hey, who could pick the girls up from basketball yeah. practice today? And, you know, nephew goes, I got them or grandpa, I got them, you know, so. We really rely on community. It really does take a village yeah. to raise our children for sure. Um, so yeah, yeah communication is key though. I need to figure out uh, how to get myself invited into that Team Sky group <laughs> chat. I bet, I bet that's pretty funny. Oh, trust me. You yeah. don't you don't want to see <laughs> half the stuff that's posted in that group chat, okay? Yeah. Well, why don't we end with uh a little bit of visioning. So this podcast is all about learning ways that women and men can partner together more effectively in ministry. So what is your heart? What do you long to see happen in the big C church in this area? You know, it really is just born out of our personal experience. I mean, it's just, again, I, I see in, you know, every expression of the church, whether it's, you know, local churches, whether it's, um, you know, denominations or, or subsets of denominations, uh, whether it's parachurch uh, in the most local way, or whether it's, you know, kind of NGOs across the globe, you know, I, we just see really um, so much of our work in ministry being, um you know, hampered by, frankly, our own um, assumptions about, you know, what the appropriate roles are for men and women in ministry. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, I I don't want to just, you know, kind of um, diminish 
uh, or minimize people's serious uh, hangups as it relates to their theology, mm-hmm. um, their biblical interpretation. But I think that the two of you, this podcast, uh, and those that have been listening for a while, um, very much know that that you all take um, you know biblical literacy very seriously. Mm-hmm. Uh, you take um, you know your biblical theology very seriously, and and I think that the work that you two have done uh, is really helping uh, the church with that. And I hope that more people uh, really begin to, with an open heart and open mind, um, you know, wrap wrap themselves around what you all are are really trying to to help the Big C Church um, push through. Because frankly, in the end, um, you know, we we really are more effective uh, and and better for it, um, and much healthier because of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and and I would just add, um, you know. For the long term, I would I would pray and hope to see um, just the realization that we are better together, mm-hmm. um, that as co-image bearers, we get to celebrate the diverse gifts in the body. We get to do that. That's a privilege of ours as sons and daughters of God. We get to celebrate the diverse gifts in the body. And what that looks like, how that is expressed is through mutual love mutual respect and mutual affirmation mm-hmm. of one another and our gifts and just who we are as brothers and sisters in Christ, as siblings in Christ. Um, we're not in competition with one another. We are co-laborers. We get to do this together. Yeah. And so what a beautiful witness to the world if the church can get this right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Step into that privilege. Yeah. 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 Beautiful. Yeah. Well, this has been such a great conversation. Oh, oh man. Thank so you. Yeah. Hey, if Thank folks want to connect with you two on social media, where can they find you? Well, um, we, we aren't on Facebook a lot these days, but we, we are there. It's Phil hyphen Reese sky and Reese is spelled R I C I, mm-hmm. um, on Twitter, uh, Phil sky and on, on Instagram, Instagram at Reese sky at team sky. Um, at on ramps church nice yep yeah that's it wonderful amazing yeah thank you so amazing. much for being a part of this thank conversation appreciate you both what a great conversation rob let's take a yeah, minute and just sure. process that so what is staying with you from that well i might need more than a minute <laughs> because i'm sure listeners are thinking there was a lot there Definitely. and indeed there was um so the image or one of the phrases that Reese used mm-hmm. is is just sort of lodged in my mind. And it's this idea that she's exchanging a muzzle for a microphone. Yeah. And I just find that so compelling. And I'm so glad that the Lord, you know, and, and mentors led her to exchange yeah. the muzzle for the microphone and the church is better for yeah. it, uh, for sure. And I just think about you know, that's a helpful way to frame what we're trying to do through this podcast and through so many other ways is like, imagine a world where there's not a muzzle. Yeah. So I'm really grateful for that framing. Yeah. That, How about for you? It's a little bit uh, similar to what stayed with me. There were a few times where Reese or Phil just talked about the next generation, their kids or their friends' kids, um, already dreaming about what it would be like for them to be a preacher or a pastor and, uh, just thinking about the how um, the work Reese had to do to really step into her calling, and um, and 
just how this next generation, because of that work, isn't having to deconstruct these ideas of limitations because of their gender or limitations of what is possible, but just to really dream and vision what can be and what gifts God is giving them and what passions God is giving them. And so it just makes me think like how powerful it is to have champions, but also models um, Mm. and gratitude for the hard work that it takes to step into that calling when you just really aren't sure you're hearing all those negative voices because it's paying off in the next generation. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yep. Well, thank you for joining us today. If you enjoy this podcast, we'd love to hear from you. Follow Christians for Biblical Equality on Facebook and Twitter for up-to-date info and content. You can also leave us a rating or review on whatever podcast platform you use. And if you love this episode, please share it with a friend. I'm Lila Van Gerpen with my co-host, Rob Dixon. We would like to thank our guests, Reese and Phil Skye and our talented editor, Landon Hook, as well as Christians for Biblical Equality. Be sure to listen to other episodes with our team of co-hosts coming to your devices every week. The opinions expressed we are the Mutuality Matters, Mutuality Matters Podcast, Matters Podcast Thanks for listening. are those of its hosts and guests and do not purport to reflect the opinions or views of CBE International or its members or chapters worldwide. The designations employed in this podcast and the presentation of content therein do not imply the expression of any opinion whatsoever on the part of CBE concerning the legal status of any country, area, or territory, or of its authorities, or concerning the delimitation of its frontiers. 